Hello and welcome to the For the Win podcast. I am not Hamil Javari. I am Evan Thorpe. Replacing her this week and joining me, the normal Stephen Ruiz. What's up, Stephen? Not much. Nashville's about to win the World Series. I'm so excited. And we have Michelle Martinelli with us today. How you doing, Michelle? Ditto with Stephen, but for slightly different reasons. As we're recording the podcast right now, Game 7 is tonight, but... The past two games, we've had a lot of complaints from fans over the umpires, and that's led to a question, should we ditch the humans and go with the computers? I have always been against the idea of robot umps. I think there's there's a human error, human element that is part of baseball that I think is um, sort of crucial. Like, I'm so on board with, like, these a lot of new and updated trends and all that, but, like, was super anti-robot umps. Until (laughs) this week in particular in the World Series has been the strongest possible argument you could have because on a variety of plays, there were so many bad calls, missed calls that had the potential to drastically alter the outcome of a game. That's not new, though. That's always been the case. I know, but it's truly terrible, I feel like, when you're making such obvious mistakes on a stage like the World Series, it, it just it shouldn't be happening on this on this level. I never I never understood like the human element argument, like just because that's the way it's been that it's good. Like what's the argument for that? Like say this never happened, like the they called the, the series as perfectly as possible mm-hmm. and your take was still anti robots. I I say this. I would rather them have the robots for the strike box because in game five, you saw where they called a ball that was a strike and you call a strike that was a ball. But to take out the human element out of debt and have the, the, the strike zone be compute completely computerized, you don't have to worry about that. Now, the stuff like in game six with the did he impede the process of him catching the ball, like, Robots are never going to be able to do that. Yeah, keep right. that with the, the, the humans. But I think the strike box needs to be strictly computer. That's how you can't say, oh, my God, this guy is either against us or he's with this other team or he just simply doesn't know what he's doing. All these umps are, like, old. Well, and I understand, like, the argument that you need experience to, like, eventually get to the World think Series. I do But that's such a valid point. And I think that's what people... If you were making the argument for robot umps, I think that, Evan, your opinion is what most people would agree with. Like, the strike zone is a very clear box. It only slightly deviates depending on the batter that, yeah, you're not going to be able to, like, make calls at first or call double plays and stuff like that. But a and, strike zone is a box. And the infants, the infrastructure, I can't even say that word, infrastructure is already in place because they have it, like, on MLB.com. Like, you can watch the strike zone and where the balls go and they have they track all that so they don't even have to spend extra money just just put what we see on our phones and in right. the game like just use that and another thing is you can still have the umpire behind the plate like there are other things that go on in a game that like requires them like let's say if somebody's trying to steal home and there's a a, a tag at the plate but you know we gotta we gotta trust his judgment first off but even then like use him then go to the computers so, like, they're still useful, but they're not needed in today's technology. Or, like, a bulk situation. They should yeah. yeah. The, like, they don't need to be the people that decide whether that's a ball or strike. Because no, no human is going to get that right. Yeah. 
Like, it's just ridiculous to expect it. They get it wrong all the time, so why would we expect it? I still don't get the human element argument. There's what's what makes how does that make the sport better? Because people need a reason to say their team lost that wasn't just that my team didn't play well. No, like no, when no. the Nets I'm lose tonight, a... they're gonna be like, Oh my god, oh my the umpires cheated us and that's the that's the easy way for them to cope with losing. No, see, I've always been of the opinion umpires, referees, officials, whatever it is, they do not lose the game for you. At some point you had multiple opportunities to come back and win the game. That's not it. I just think it's that's one of those old school romance type things that it's not a bad there's so many things that are bad when we say well that's the way it's always been so that's why we shouldn't change it and I feel like human officials are a part of so many other elements of life taking it out of baseball is not a great idea but after the disaster in game five where like you said we had a missed ball or missed strike that was called a ball and then Correa hit a two-run homer and then a missed like the, in the reverse situation that many mistakes in one game in the World Series in a very pivotal game is bad. I mean, I think the stats came out the next day and said that the umpire had made four calls that went in favor of the Nats and five that went in favor of Houston. So, like, even while that play was bad, it was kind of like, you know what? He was kind of even in how bad he was for both teams. But what do you think is going to happen tomorrow morning at the Game 7? Are we going to have a, a talk about an officiating causing X team to lose? Well, they're testing them, testing robot umps right now, and they've said they're they're nowhere near close to implementing that in a real game. These umps or these robots are still making like egregious errors, and they're not ready to test them in the minor leagues, much less bring them up to the majors yet. But I think I it don't is get that. I just need you to say something we're going to talk about for the next several seasons. I'm still stuck on the human element argument. Your argument is still that's just the way I'm it's always been. I'm in been. favor of this. I just need I'm you saying to... I have I've changed my mind. I've always said I think it's ridiculous. Like we don't need robots to take over a different part of the game. But literally in the last several days, it has been such there has been such poor discretion applied that it has actually changed my mind. Like we need robots doing every aspect of sports officiating, in my opinion. Like, yeah. stop having old men do this. <laughs> that, they... I, I, also, I also agree with. I, and, and, like, that's such a good Especially point. like in football when you see the old guys running to keep up with a 20-year-old <laughs> right. with a 4-3 speed. You got a bad hip. Like, you, you're done. <laughs> like, when you have a bad hip and you're a football player, you get cut. You don't – they don't like, oh, he's got experience. Of. No, you get cut because you can't do your job anymore. And, like, the most, like, obvious way they can implement it is, like, with spotting the ball. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because they can just put a chip in the ball, and you know where the ball that was. That is the play such a comparable it. example: the fact that you have all this technology, and you still measure that with literal change. But I think that right. was brought up recently on Monday Night Football. I think it was right before the fourth quarter. They were saying that it took two minutes for them to get the spot for. I think it was a Ryan Fitzpatrick scramble. He was short of the first down, but it was like it's no reason it should take three minutes for them to figure out where this ball should be placed. It was saying, we have the technology to show you where the ball should be placed in front of you on TV, but on the field, they really don't want to implement the newest technology to speed up the game and help out these older officials. I didn't even like comprehend anything you just said because I was <laughs> flabbergasted that you actually wasted your Monday night watching that game. <laughs> I get paid to write about the NFL, and I did, an, I did not watch one <laughs> second of it. All right, well, enough of baseball and umpires. Michelle, you have the fan of the week 
for yeah, this week, right? Uh, still more baseball. Um, the Nationals fan who held on to his two Bud Lights, one in each hand, as a home run came directly at him in the outfield, and he just sat there and took a ball to the chest like a champ. And that's pretty impressive. That's a diehard fan. Not right impressed. I, I no, would say this. The velocity of those balls coming Not impressed. out. I'm impressed that he took it to the body. And yeah. he didn't drop his beard. That he didn't flinch even. Like, when it hit him, he didn't drop his beards. He, like, hit him, he put his beers down and picked up the ball in front of him and was like, hey, check it out. What inning was this? This was, this had to be early. It was early. early. This was early it was in the early. game. Uh, he, was early. All, I, all I'm saying is he was double fisting at that point. He was probably <laughs> a few beers in and probably didn't feel everything. Now, we know Bud Light took advantage of this, and they gave him tickets to game six, but... They could have cut a bigger check for him because he basically brought two beers, and that was probably one of the biggest moments outside of what happened in the game in this whole World Series. He was in a Bud Light commercial. I saw a commercial on TV showing the replay of that, of advertising for Bud Light. Like, I don't know how much money he got paid or what he got paid, but he got I'm paid pretty something. sure all he got was tickets. There's no way he probably didn't get paid because it's on the broadcast. That's, no, that's true. But he, I mean, I just, we don't know. We don't know if he just got tickets and a free ride out to Houston. We need to stop celebrating mediocrity. The guy <laughs> took a baseball to the chest and held onto his beer. Are we really going to reward him with more than 15 minutes of fame and World Series tickets? That's more than he should have got. They shouldn't have given him any of that. All I know is the next sporting event I go to, I'm wearing an Apple shirt, and I'm going to try my hardest to get on camera. I don't care if I'm taking a ball to the face. I don't care if I happen to – I don't know what else I could do to get my face on camera with the Apple shirt on. But hopefully Apple sees me as like, you know what, we can get this guy a car. I feel like you guys are really underestimating how much it probably hurts to get hit by a ball. That, oh, no, I didn't. Who you who you telling that to? I've taken – I don't know. When it I seems was, like you're talking very casually about this. I was a pitcher, and I pitched the ball, got <laughs> – the person hit a line drive off my chin. I was eight years old. I uh, took it like a champ. Did not <laughs> fall and was playing the next day. In T-ball, I had just got my stitches taken out off the top of my head. And we are at practice. And so the coach was working on, like, us grounding balls, throwing them in the first. I was on third. I didn't have my glove. I gave it to one of our players who didn't bring it. So the coach hits the ball, and he doesn't hit in the ground. And me just not reacting fast enough. It hit me in my head right when my stitches had just got taken out. And from there, I said, you know what? I'm going to put down the baseball, and I'm going to just stick with basketball. Can I ask a question? How old were you in T-ball? Probably like eight. So both of you are using examples of getting hit with a ball from when you were eight years old and comparing that to getting hit with a major league baseball home run. They got hit by a grown man. I'm pretty sure. It was a line drive. You said T-ball. And my coach hit me with the ball. I won't like Peter who's eight years old with me, hit me. It was a line drive. By an eight-year-old. No, I was in middle school. Not a 25-year-old professional baseball player. I was in middle school. It's st- A line drive. Okay, would you rather get hit by a line drive or a pop fly? Well, I mean, a pop fly. And one in the face and the other one in the in the chest. <laughs> okay, also true. Okay. But Moving I, on. <laughs> no, the velocity of home runs is like more than 90 miles an hour. All right, we can argue this another day. Steven, That's you... the exit velocity, not the when it lands. That's off the bat. Right, but that's how fast it's going off the bat. Like it I loses... know it's not going at that speed when it hits you, but it's pretty darn high still. 
All right, enough of that. <laughs> Steven, you have our beef of the week in the NFL, right? Oh, yeah, I do. It's Baker Mayfield. Is that the one you're referring to? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Bucks GM. Yeah, Baker Mayfield got into it with a reporter who was asking about a crazy sequence in the game that didn't make any sense where the Browns went out to punt on 4th and 11, got a delay game, and then decided to go for it on 4th and 16, which made no sense, but he was getting asked about that, basically. And the guy, the reporter, Tony Grossi, who's like Skip Bayless, if Skip Bayless never got famous, mm-hmm. like he's like a jerk and he writes hot takes and it's, he's he's awful. He's an all, he's And beefs with the Browns all the time. Right. He's a Browns writer. He's always been a Browns writer. He gets off on the Browns being bad and him capitalizing on that. So, of course, he's asking Baker about that in his – I mean, I forgive him for the question he asked. He asked, were you happy with that drive? I think he meant, like, the play calling on that drive, but that's not how Baker interpreted it. Baker thought he meant, like, just overall. And Baker said, of course I wasn't. We didn't score. That's a dumb question. And then he walked off. And it's more – another example of Baker being Baker. I don't think he's going to get as much blowback because everyone dislikes Tony Grossi, so – I don't know. I'm still team never Baker, so I'm on Grossi's side on this one. I'd side with the media. <laughs> okay, so we know Baker's not having the best year. and He's been awful. He's been awful. What is his team, two and something this, so far? Two and five. Two and five. Does he, not, does he not get enough flack for his team being bad? Or do people give him a pass because this is a first-year coach and they're just getting out of Hugh Jackson? Like, I feel like every time it's something with Baker, he gets a pass where if this was any other quarterback, the media would be harder on him. I think that's true now in the NFL because he hasn't been playing well and people have been making excuses. They've been blaming the coaches. They've been blaming the offensive line. But I think a lot of their problems on offense, which has been most of their problems just overall, have been on him. I've written about that before. And even yesterday, like two days ago, we had a post on FTW. Charles Curtis wrote it where he was like, giving out blame for the Brown season. And Baker only got 15%. He was, like, last on the list. And I'm like, no, he's he's much worse than this. Like, he's been playing much worse than this. He's – I think he's the main person to blame if you want to put out blame. Yeah, offensively, I think he's the main problem, but we won't hear anything. Michelle, you got anything to say about this? I, judging the scene from, you know, with your, with the actual back to the beef of the week, uh, it seems like a fair question, and it really bothers me when – athletes don't even if you give a one two three word answer when they don't answer a question and storm off as if talking to the media is not a part of your job so I think that's a huge misconception among fans is that they think that these professional athletes don't have to talk to the media and that's absolutely part of the job if you want to be a famous athlete is talking and answering questions so you can be curt and you can be rude but like sort of storming off because you don't like the question I don't have that strong of feelings against Baker Mayfield like some people in this room, but, like, I don't really like that. I just – I hate when I go on TV and I see that he's in another commercial. And my guy Lamar Jackson is in no commercials. Michelle loves Baker, by the way. I liked him in college because Troublemaker Baker was so much fun to cover in college. Why is that fun, though? That's that that's the point Evan's making. He gets a pass for things that other quarterbacks, other players don't get a pass for. Do you love Odell Beckham? I don't have strong feelings one way or another on Odell Beckham, and I can't say that I followed Baker's career much since he left college, other than his claims that he was going to turn the Browns around. But that's the that's the thing. Like, why does Baker get this pass? Like, what is it about Baker? I think 
there's an obvious answer, and Evan is smirking at me because he knows the answer to this question. I know the answer to this question, too. It's because he played at Oklahoma. Is <laughs> Yes, that's it. I mean, I, I don't disagree with you. I think Lamar Jackson's having a phenomenal season. Why isn't he getting TV ads, and why are people praising him? They wanted him to change positions, and he's killing it. Question we could have another day. All right, to wrap this podcast up, tomorrow is Halloween. We're... It gets scary sometimes, you know, as we get older, we realize it's not that big of a deal. But for kids, you pass out candy. And for me, I would never give a child candy corn. But somebody on this podcast has an argument why candy corn is underrated and around this time is special. I don't know why. Let her make the argument. Michelle, why is candy corn so hot to you? I would never pass it out as to, like, kids trick-or-treating, but candy corn is the quintessential Halloween candy. It is filled with sugar, which is exactly what kids are looking for. It goes well by itself or as a garnish on, like, top of a cupcake or, like, in some sort of a mix or something like that. It's nostalgic. It's for two weeks out of the year. It reminds you that of simpler times when you dressed up and were just walking around your neighborhood looking for candy with your best friends. It takes you back. Do you want candy corn in February? No. But compared to other seasonal candies like like candy canes or something like that, like a candy cane is just a mint in the shape of a shepherd's stick. Candy corn has a special attachment to two weeks in October. Do not compare candy corns to, to candy canes. Candy canes are in a different league within themselves. Candy cane candy is canes. a breath mint. I eat candy canes in November because it's like, you know what? It's your time. When I see candy corn. Right. And candy corn, it's your time in the two weeks at the end of October. Here's the big difference between candy canes and candy corn. You still eat candy canes like peppermint year round because it's good. It tastes good. You don't eat whatever they whatever that is that they make candy Sugar. corn out of. Sugar. You don't eat that the rest of the year because it's that's my whole point you don't want to eat it in the rest of the year it's special right now because i don't want to eat good. it right now <laughs> i don't want to eat it right now it is terrible it doesn't taste like sugar i've eaten plenty of sugary things and i would take a pack of now laters over ca- candy corn i would take what's a, wrong with now and later? nothing now and nothing but i'm just saying like when i, I know think but of that Christmas, sounds like a slight <laughs> when i think of halloween i see candy corn i'd be like God, why do people bring this out? What about the the pumpkins? You know the pumpkins that are like the same. Oh, you know, to be honest, I don't think I've ever actually had those. Well, they taste the same. They're just shaped like pumpkins. <laughs> no, I'm sure so she, she doesn't like the pumpkins, <laughs> but she's gonna ride it. I've <laughs> never had the pumpkins. I don't think. But another great example of something that's seasonal that you only enjoy during the season. What about eggnog? Yeah, I was about to bring that up. All seasonal foods like that are actually bad. Eggnog is terrible. Eggnog is terrible. I don't deny that. <laughs> but, and, and, <laughs> but candy corn is bad. And I'm not saying you're a bad person if you don't like candy corn. Obviously, it's a personal preference. But candy corn has two weeks out of 52 the whole year when it's actually good. It's not good in February. It's not good in July. It's good in the last two weeks of October leading up to Halloween. How does it taste good? It tastes like nostalgia. <laughs> it's sugar. And it's sugar. Absolutely. It's sugar. That's not... You know how many things we put sugar into in our diet to make them taste better? It's sugar. There's nothing... I put mayonnaise on my sandwiches. I don't eat spoonfuls of it. Mm, it's that's a, gross. Though. It's a terrible candy. It's not good. I think it's fine. Like I'll eat like three of them, but if you eat like more than a handful, you're 
a psychopath. <laughs> I never said you had to eat more than a handful. Sugar's, That's a lot of sugar. Sugar is not the thing that makes people addicted to stuff. It's MSG, and MSG is not in candy corn. But your take is wrong. You wrote 3,000 <laughs> words of why this is the greatest candy it was like 600 words. That's 599. <laughs> Too many. It should have been one word, and the word should have been psych. No, not so, at all. It's a great Halloween candy that takes you back to a simpler time. So what's the simpler time? When your primary concern at the end of a day was going out and getting as much candy in costume with your friends. Is it weird I only see old people eating candy corn? I don't, I've never seen a kid eat candy corn. That's... I don't know how many old people. What's the ratio of old people versus kids <laughs> Mich- you hang around? Michelle is arguing. Uh, she has argued for human umpires and candy corn. Now she's no, behind I've the times. Absolutely argued for robot umps. It has completely changed my mind on that. Because they hurt. They hurt the team that you were rooting for. No, I. If they had made, I'm not rooting for a team. I'm rooting for the Fighting Max Scherzers. <laughs> All right. <laughs> he has ruined, changed this discussion. I have excellent takes. You're right. both wrong. Quick, who wins game seven and why? Uh, I I think the Astros win, but I would like the Nationals to win. I really, I, I think Max Scherzer, and especially with the way Steven Strasburg has pitched throughout the whole postseason, and with shoddy, a shoddy bullpen that can't really do much of anything, I think they've stepped up and have earned it. Uh, I'm gonna say the Nationals win five to two. Scherzer gives up one run in the first inning. That's fair. That happens. And he every goes time. the distance. I think Houston wins. Yeah. I think Scherzer has a bad game coming off that weird injury, and I think Houston finally wins a home game for the series. Well, we all know that Bryce Harper is gonna lose. All right, that's it. Thank you guys for listening to the For the Win podcast. Uh, Hemel will be back next week, and we will also have. Managing editor Nate Scott come on to talk about his new podcast, The Sneak. Thank you guys for listening.